welcome to this exciting sermon from World Impact Community Church. We hope you enjoy this message. For more sermons and resources, please do visit us at wscc.in. Greetings in the matchless name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, today I'll be sharing about the power of resurrection. So let's start with a word of prayer. Hallelujah, Lord, I just thank you for this time. Lord, you have given this word for us, and I believe it will set us free of many fears and many doubts. And I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you will speak to everyone here and those joining from home, and that you will touch them and make us understand truly what it means by the power of your resurrection, Lord. I just commit this time into your hand, Lord. Speak to each one of us, Father. Prepare our hearts, Lord. Let this word fall on good soil. This is my prayer. I ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to start with the familiar story in John chapter 11, the story of Lazarus and Mary and Martha. So Lazarus and Mary and Martha, you all know, was loved by Jesus. They were three of them, specifically writes that Jesus loved them. And Lazarus was sick, and Mary and Martha sent a message to uh, the Lord saying that, the one you love is sick, and uh, please come. And Jesus, he doesn't go, even though he loves them. And he waits for two days, and then after that he tells the disciples, um, Lazarus is asleep, let's go and wake him up. And then the disciples say, if he's asleep, he will wake up. Then Jesus says, he is dead, let us go. And then they, he, the, Jesus and the disciples, they make their journey to Bethany, the place where they lived, Lazarus and his sisters. And they go there, this is the fourth day. So you wonder, why, why did he wait for four days? Some scholars say that usually the Jews thought that the first three days the spirit will be roving around. And after that, there's no way anyone can come back. So probably that was the reason he waited for the fourth day, that people may believe what he was going to do. And then he goes there, and as he's going, Martha runs up to him, and, he's, and she says in John chapter 11, verse 21 to 26, we read it as, Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. But even now... I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me, shall never die. Do you believe this? So Jesus, he didn't say, I have the resurrection, I understand the resurrection. He was very emphatic in saying that I am the resurrection and the life. Yeah. And uh, Martha, for her, the resurrection was a very far away reality. So probably it was not enough to comfort her. Not even sure of what's going to happen. You know? And, uh, but Jesus says, no, I am the resurrection. In the Gospel of John, Jesus says, has a number of I am statements. 
in that he says, I am the bread of life. I'm the one from whom the waters of li- uh, the living waters come. So he's providing spiritual food and spiritual drink. But he doesn't stop there. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Uh, yeah, he says that. So to know Jesus is to know resurrection and life. To have Jesus is to have resurrection and life. So Jesus not only, you know, uh, he fulfills our spiritual thirst and hunger, by, but by revealing that he is the resurrection, all mankind doesn't have to worry about their future. What a hope we have. What a hope. I hope each of you have that hope that there's something more because of the resurrection. And later on in the next chapter, Jesus starts, starts talking about that he's going to die and going to be resurrected. And in uh, chapter 12, verses 30 to 32, he says, Jesus answered and said, oh yeah, just before that, a vo- Jesus said, Father, let your name be glorified. And then there's a voice from heaven that says, it will be glorified by what Jesus is going to do. And then he says, this voice did not come because of me, but for your sake. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. And I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all peoples to myself. So just imagine that act of being lifted up has drawn all peoples, whatever type of person you are, you know, whatever background you are, it's to draw people to him. So the resurrection is such a powerful truth. So I was thinking, okay, so how does the resurrection really benefit us? Because I know even today they were singing about the death and resurrection of Christ. And we pray sometimes, okay, the power of resurrection. So what does the resurrection of Jesus really mean to us? And then I thought, okay, it means it, the resurrection of Jesus affects our past, our future, and our present. So I'm going to be sharing about that in these three aspects. So the resurrection affects our past, our future, and our present. So how does it affect our past? First of all, we don't fear death anymore. One of the greatest fears of mankind is death. I remember as a child, when I was around five or six, when uh, when we went for long trips and my parents were sitting in front, I would just put my hand on them and say, Lord, if anything happens, I'll save them. You know, nothing should happen to them. Even as a child, to have that fear, you know, if something happens, I can't live without them. That fear of death is so real, even for a child. And I think I never had gone to a funeral. So how did I know about it? How did I have this fear? Or sometimes I would have a dream. I had a recurrent dream of a lion coming into our home and kind of, uh, you know, attacking us. And I was thinking, Lord, that fear is so, was so in us, in us, that fear of death. So uh, in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, it says, It is appointed for men to die once. No one can avoid death. Death is the great leveler. Whether you're rich or poor or educated or dull, whatever it is, we all face death. We know the story of how Alexander the Great, after conquering so much of the nations, finally he he said that when I die, put my hands outside like this so that they'll know that I came without anything and I'm going back without anything. 
So death is such a leveler. And so when we read the word, where is where was death first spoken about? If you look at Genesis chapter 2, verses 16 and 17, it says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. So who spoke about death first? God. God spoke about death, death first. Death was in the Garden of Eden. But death didn't have power unless Adam and Eve disobeyed. So death was activated by their disobedience. So just imagine, if they hadn't sinned, death would not have been activated. They would have lived forever. Yeah? Just imagine, that would have been a totally different scenario. But what to do? They sinned and death came into the garden. It started with their spiritual death and it was followed by their physical death. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Death gets its power from sin. The key to destroying death is to take away the power that it has over us. Jesus came to break the power of death. So just imagine, Jesus came, he had no sin. And he came, and so because he had no sin, actually he couldn't die unless he decided to die because death didn't have power over him. He was perfect. He was sinless. He didn't have that, that thing that usually makes people die. Yeah. And John chapter 10, verses 17 to 18 says, Therefore, my father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. Jesus laid down his life. Death could not have any uh, hold over him, but he laid it down. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my father. Beautiful, isn't it? The enemy could not find any sin in him, so death had no power over him. And later on we read in Acts chapter 2, this is a scene where Peter, as uh, Peter stands up after the, the, everyone's baptized in the Holy Spirit, and Peter stands up and shares the gospel and says, this Jesus died and was crucified for us. And he speaks in, in verse 24, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be held by it. So clearly it is written that death could not hold Jesus down. So even as I was preparing for this, uh, this word, every time I think about Jesus in the grave, and you know, and everyone else was so sad about his disciples, but he's in the grave, and then he knew that, oh, I, I'm just going to get up out of this. And death couldn't, you know, uh, can keep him there, and he just breaks out and comes up as the first resurrection. So beautiful it is. That is the hope that we have. Yeah? And uh, in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15, it says, Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. So 
he, who actually here is written that dev, the devil had the power over death. Actually, the devil didn't have the power of, over death, but the devil had the ability to make man sin, and that was his power. Yeah, that is still, even now, that is his power. He has no power over us. He can only, inst- you know, kind of tempt us and say, do this, do this wrong, disobey. Yeah, so devil does not have the power over death. And from that, by that resurrection, he broke that fear of death, which was which kept people bondage. Just imagine, you're free. Just tell, just shout out loud, I'm free of fear of death. I'm free of the fear of death. Because even, you know, when you accept Jesus as your savior, you are, you have entered the new life. You have eternal life. So even if your body dies, that is just... It doesn't matter because you're just going from one step, one, you know, one season into another. It's just like how uh, in some stories, how the children go into the mystery world, Alice in Wonderland. Suddenly you step through the window and you go to another world. That is how we should see death. Yeah, truly, because we are entering into so much more. So we don't need to fear death. And because he on the cross took our sins, he took all those sins and he went down and he rose up and he went to, the, uh, to heaven. And because of that, now we don't have those sins on us. Otherwise, if we died, we'd still be under the power of death. But now those sins have been put on our Lord and Savior. And he took them and he showed the Father, see, I have taken up their sins and I come before you. So now we are free. And because of that, we have the hope of resurrection. Because of that, we will see, even when uh, Jesus died, we, we, you've probably read that the graves opened. And after the resurrection, they saw the spirits of those who were buried. So that was the first resurrection. So it's proof that in the days, to, in the end, we will also be resurrected. Yeah? So we don't have to fear death. That is the first thing. The second thing is we have been justified. It's just as if we haven't sinned. Romans 4, 24 and 25 says, But for our sake also, to whom righteousness will be credited, as those who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was betrayed and crucified because of our sins, and was raised from the dead because of our justification. So Jesus was crucified for our sins, and he was raised for our justification. So what is justification? It's just as if I haven't sinned. It's just wiped out clean. It's our acquittal, saying that, okay, absolving us of all sin before God. I think you would have already many times heard the example of a judge who is is to settle a case, and uh, the person has probably committed a crime, and the judge gives a judgment, and probably there's a penalty of money. And after giving the judgment, the judgment, the judge takes off his cloak, and gets down and said, oh, this is my child. I'll pay the amount. And then he pays, and the child is set free because the penalty has been paid. And then this judge takes the child and says, let's go home. And that is what justification is. He's paid the penalty, and now the father is saying, come, I'm taking my child home. I'm going to put that, put that child in his rightful position. So Jesus, on the cross, took our sins, and after that, by the justification, has made us righteous, so now we are children of God. Isn't that awesome? It is so beautiful. Huh? 
so the resurrection of Jesus isn't an add-on to the cross. All of us think, okay, he died, he died. We automatically say, died and resurrected, died and resurrected. It's not just an add-on. It's a, uh, to a very important work that is a cross. If the cross is the payment for our sins, the empty tomb is the receipt. Okay? So just uh, you go to some shops, you pay the money for what you've bought, but you have to get the receipt. And once you get to the receipt, you go to the other counter and you give that receipt and then only you get your goods. That is what happens with the death and resurrection. Without the receipt, they're not going to, however well-dressed you are, without the receipt, you can't get that, those goods. So that is what uh, Jesus has done by resurrection, the justification of our sins. The cross was a time of victorious death and negative triumph. Sin was defeated, but nothing positive was put in its place until the resurrection. The resurrection showed that Jesus didn't succumb to the inevitable result of sin. The resurrection is proof of his victory. Wow. Let's just shout and praise God for the victory. Praise God. Praise God. Uh, a theologian, uh, Sinclair B. Ferguson says, We are adopted into God's family through the resurrection of Christ from the dead in which he paid all our obligations to sin the law and the devil in whose family we once lived. Our old status lies in the tomb and new status is ours through his resurrection. So for all those WhatsApp followers, your old status was in the tomb, but your new status is that you have been resurrected with him. Amen, amen. So that is what he's done in the past. Now let's look at the future that the resurrection promises us. We have unshakable hope. I know in this time, uh, the, the world has lost its hope. I was just talking to some kids the other day. Uh, how, how is school? How was life? And they said, before COVID, things were better. But now it's not good. And I was wondering, now they're back to school. But something has changed. Probably post-2020, a lot of things have changed for a lot of people. Yeah? And uh, there's a time where we see a lot of people going through that hopelessness. But the Lord is saying there is hope. We have the hope that others don't have. We are the answer. So we have an unshakable hope. And so the Corinthian church, they had uh, some confusions. They thought, okay, Jesus is going to be res was resurrected because there were a lot of witnesses. But uh, we don't believe in the resurrection of the dead. So some of them didn't believe in the resurrection of the dead. And Paul addresses this issue very firmly in, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Let's read from 12 to 19. Now, if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, so they were already preaching that Jesus is raised from the dead, how do some among you say there is no resurrection of the dead? Yeah, But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. So if there isn't any resurrection of the dead, that means Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up if, in fact, the dead do not raise. So all that they were testifying was that Christ has been risen. And if people say there's no resurrection of the dead, that means what we said is a lie. And then he says, 
For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Do you understand the implication of that? If Christ is not risen, we are still in our sins. And then also, those who have fallen asleep or those who have died in the faith, in Christ, have perished. So if this truth is not there, this, uh, that Jesus resurrected for us and that there is a resurrection of the dead, it is in vain that we, that we believe in him. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable. Yeah? So we have the hope of the resurrection of the dead. We are going to be resurrected one day with the Lord. So that keeps us strong even when we lose our loved ones who are in the faith. At that time, you can tell, we know it's, it's difficult for many of us. And I know in this season, many have lost their loved ones, probably to COVID or other sicknesses. But in that, what is the hope that we have that we will meet them? <laughs> they are already with the Lord. And that is such a beautiful hope. Yeah? And let's look what, the, what, what, are, what other things we have in the future. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 42 to 44 says, So also in the resurrection of the dead... The body is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. Oh, what, a, what good news. So many of us who are growing older probably think, oh, we're not, you know, be able to run or do things we, we could do before, or probably we don't look as good as before. But there's hope. We have going to have a glorious resurrected body. Let's just shout and say amen to the Lord for that. Yeah, there is hope we're going to be really good looking <laughs> in every way and strong. Yes, we have that hope of a resurrected body. And then we have a final hope. First Corinthians 15 verses 24 to 26 says, then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father, when he puts an end to all rule and all authority and power, for he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be destroyed is death. Oh, what a hope. So there's three things in this verse. One is he delivers the kingdom to God the Father. Secondly, he's going to put everything all authority and power under God's rule. And he's going to put all the enemies under his feet. And the last enemy is death. Wow, what a victory. So now the power of death has been destroyed. But the, in the end, even death will be destroyed. Yeah? And uh, when, I was, when I was a young kid, my friends and I would probably read a lot of books. And if you read, uh, we are reading a detective novel, some of, them, some of us are so curious, they'll read the end. And then start the beginning again. Yeah, yeah I've experienced it. I never liked that because I didn't want to know the end. You know, But some of my friends used to do that. Oh, we know the story. Do you want to know? And they'll come and tempt you. Do you want to know the end? I read it. So, But that just spoils the fun. But here we need that. God has already told us this is the end. And because of that, you can run well. Yeah? Because of that, we know the end result. We are already living in victory. Amen. Amen. So this is the hope for our future.
And uh, in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 18, Paul's prayer is this, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. So many times when we're faced with the difficulties in the world, we forget, we lose sight of this hope. And I know that the New Testament church was not like that. They just didn't think of anything except this hope. So I think now is a time where the church needs to rise up and understand this hope that we have. And then only people will say that we are different from others. Otherwise, we'll be just like everyone else. It is this hope that is going to distinguish us from others. So this is the hope for the future. Hallelujah. And now, what does God do through his resurrection? How is it affecting our present? Yeah, that's very important, isn't it? How is it affecting our present? First of all, it changes our perspective. Ro- uh, Paul in Philippians chapter 3, he speaks about how he was born from a, in a very good family. He is a Hebrew. He's a, uh, a Pharisee. He was taught by Gamaliel. He was circumcised on the eighth day. He just had everything going well for him. In the world standards, he was well-to-do. He had everything. But then, after he came to know the Lord and his resurrection, he said, I count that all rubbish compared, you know, to, I count all that rubbish compared to the knowledge of Christ. And the word that he uses, dung, I count them like just, you know, not even something good at all uh, in comparison to knowing him. And he goes on to say in verses 10 and 11, that I may know him, And my desire is, I'm just going to push everything else aside. And I want to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. So here it says he wants to know him. As a Christian, as a believer, our most important aim should be to know Christ, to know what he's done for us and to become like him. And Paul said, yes, I know him. I know him. I want to know him. I want to know the power of his resurrection. I want to know the fellowship of his, what it means to suffer with him and to be conformed to his death. When you're conformed to his death, you are, you are dead to a lot of things. And your life is only to him. You're dead to the things that other people worry about and complain about. And you live to him because that is the most important thing. The things of the world just fade away. Yeah? and that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. So he's not stopping there. In the next verses he says, I'm going to keep on running. I'm going to keep on looking forward. I'm not going to look behind because I want to reach the resurrection of the dead. That is the aim. That should be the way that we run forward. So the resurrection of the, I mean, the, the, the resurrection helps us to change the way we think. It changes our perspective. Secondly, it helps us face difficulties. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, uh, Paul is speaking about how ministry is so difficult. Uh, he says that I've really, we've really suffered. Some people don't give us any honor at all. Uh, and he says that we are hard-pressed, pressed, but not crushed. We go through many difficulties, but we're not destroyed. We always carry the dying of the Lord in our body that we may display his life. So he says we're going through so many difficult things, but... What is the reason why he holds on? 
We read in 11, verses 11 to 14. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So when you suffer, you let the life of Jesus be manifested in your life. So then death is working in us, but life in you. And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what it is written, I believed and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak. That is, we know this in our hearts. So we are saying it, knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you. What a beautiful verse. He's saying that I can face everything because I know that we're going to be raised up together. And because I'm doing all this work for you, we're all going to be together and raised up. That's why he's going through all the persecution, all the, the gossip and everything that is against him because he knows that there is a resurrection. Yeah. So it helps us go through difficult times. And next is, uh, it gives us strength to love. In Luke chapter 14, Jesus is invited to a Pharisee's house. And he goes there and he's, he heals a person. Uh, uh, it's a Sabbath day. And then after that, he starts sharing some parables. And I was looking through the parables. They're all about how to, how to, what to do when you go for meals, for suppers, for meetings, how to carry yourself. And there he says in verses uh, uh, 12 to 14, then he also said to them, who invited him to him who invited him when you give a dinner or a supper do not ask your friends your brothers your relatives uh, nor rich neighbors lest they also invite you back and you be repaid but when you give a feast invite the poor the maimed the lame the blind and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you for you shall be repaid at the resurrection of the just. So it doesn't mean that you don't have to invite your friends. Yes, you can invite your friends, but there are times when you need to invite those who can't pay you back. And not only that, you need to love those who won't love you back. And when you do that, what will happen? You shall be repaid with a reward at the resurrection of the just. So a lot of times you think, why should I love? They're always hurting me. If it's, even if it's a relationship with your, in your family and there's so many difficulties, we're always doing the right thing and they are hurting us. But then it's here, it's written. Your reward is there so you can forgive them and you can walk in love. So that gives us the strength to walk in love. And then we live the abundant life. It's not just a normal life. It's the abundant life. In John 14, verses 19 to 21, it says, A little while longer, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live also. So that word there is connected to the word Zoe, which means abundant life. Because I have this abundant life, you also will have the abundant life. At that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. That is the abundant life. The life where you know that because he lives, you can live. 
because he lives you can face tomorrow yeah and because of that he's saying that because of that you obey what my commandments and when you obey my commandments he the father is going to manifest the son through you and you will become more like jesus what a beauty that is the abundant life the life where we become more like him we carry him in our life hallelujah and we also receive the holy spirit what a beautiful thing without our best friend the holy spirit came because of the resurrection in acts chapter 2 it's where the holy spirit comes on the disciples as they were praying and uh, they speak in new tongues and in that at that time peter stands up in the midst of them and says to, tell, shares them shares to them and says this is what was prophesied by joel that he would pour out his spirit on all flesh and then he goes on to share the gospel he says about how jesus died and was crucified with them, for them and he was raised up and then he says in verse 32 to thir- uh, 32 to 33 this jesus god has raised up of which we are all witnesses therefore being exalted to the right hand of god and having received from the father the promise of the holy spirit he poured out this which you now see and hear so jesus had to go up and tell the father the work is done now you can pour out your promise the holy spirit and so because of the resurrection the holy spirit was sent on us what a beautiful thing without the holy spirit how would we be able to live victoriously ephesians chapter 1 verses 13 14 says in him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth the gospel of your salvation in whom also having believed you were sealed with the holy spirit of promise who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of the glory so the seal it's like in those days uh, a signet was used to seal something and the details were lit- written in the envelope so now the holy spirit has come on us like a seal saying that oh the promise is coming it is coming in the coming days this i am proof of that so that seal is there to show us that yes whatever god jesus has spoken will come to pass Yes you will have a resurrection you will have eternal life yeah so he is a seal the holy spirit is a seal in ephesians chapter 1 verses 19 and 20 paul prays that the ephesians would understand what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he worked in christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places you know that power can work through each one of us now and today so whatever situation you are facing whether it is uh, you know about your future there seems to be a closed door or your finances whatever it is you can speak to those situations and every dead situation will come to life just believe just speak it in faith everything that the enemy is trying to prevent will just break away as you speak that abundant life you have the power to speak that uh, situation even if it's your health you're struggling in your health the lord is saying for anyone watching online if you are struggling with health issues the lord has given has said decided desire that we would walk in abundance in the abundant life and the power is there for us to walk in health so just believe it and speak to that condition to go right now and the lord will heal you 
Hallelujah. When you believe that resurrection power is residing in you, you begin to activate it with your words. You speak faith-filled words to release the blessing. The power of God is in faith-filled words. If the, the verse in Romans 8:11 it says, "If the spirit that raised Jesus from the d- dead dwells in you, he will make alive your mortal flesh." That same spirit can, you know, strengthen your body, enable you to do the right things, to live the abundant life. And in Ephesians chapter 3 verses 20 and 21, he says, Paul says, "Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever amen this power of re- resurrection is available for all of us jesus didn't die and resurrect in vain it is available for us for the past that we will no longer fear the past fear death that we will know that we are justified it is available for us to have hope for the future and even to share that hope to many others we can't keep it in ourselves that is the hope that we need to share in our workplaces to others saying that this is the hope that we have i know no one else can offer that hope other than jesus and even in this present life when you think you can't live another day the lord is saying because i live you can live because i live you can live abundantly you can overcome you can walk in faith you can be a giant of faith that is what the lord is saying the power of our lord's resurrection is an evidencing power a justifying power a life giving power and a consoling power it is the evidence and seal that everything jesus did and said was true as a justifying power it is a receipt and proof that the sacrifice on the cross was accepted as payment in full as a life giving power those who are connected to jesus can live the abundant life in this earth as a consoling and comforting power it promises that we will meet our friends one day who have gone to be with the lord and not only that it consoles us when we go through such difficulties when people hurt us when people mock us when we are persecuted because there is a reward in the resurrection and that is the power of this resurrection my prayer is that as a church we will truly understand this power of resurrection and not just sing it and not just say it without knowing that this power of resurrection will set us free of the normal lives that we are living and we will rise up as the ecclesia that is that was meant to be as the glorious church once we know that let's pray Lord I just experience your presence here Lord Jesus you are alive here in this room you are here and I just pray for anyone has who has doubts whether here or in their homes that I can't live a successful life I pray that you will break that mindset right now especially over the youth I just pray that you will break that mindset that they can't run and be victorious and you will tell them you can live the abundant life right now we just break every every fear of the future
every type of fear that our our people are facing and lord because of your resurrection we will be bold because of our res- resurrection we will love because of your resurrection we will go through difficulties hallelujah i thank you lord for what you are teaching us lord and i just release your healing power today in this room healing of spirit soul and body healing right now for those who are watching healing right now be released and i pray lord that you will touch them lord thank you lord thank you lord for your word is life and what i've shared is just your word and nothing more it is your word and i pray that that word will set people free thank you lord in jesus name i pray amen amen thank you thank you for listening to this sermon for more sermons please do visit us at wicc.in